0: Wow. Really don't need to preach. Sermon has been spoken through music and song. And as I looked out uh, this morning, watching you sing, Because He Lives, some of you were pretty emotional during that song. Because it's often a hymn that we sing in a time of stress, in a time of trouble, when we've lost a loved one. ...who is dear to us. If you're here today... ...and you're struggling... ...with this life that you live... ...I want you to take words to heart... ...the beautiful thing about... ...spiritual songs... ...the beautiful thing about hymns... ...versus other songs in our culture... ...is it often conveys... ...a heartfelt attempt... ...to identify... ...with yours and my situation... ...in order to lean in... To Jesus. And I'm here to submit to you that because He lives, we most assuredly can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because we know that He holds the future and life is worth the living. Just because. He lives. When I think about church work and I think about ministry, and uh, this week uh, we've lost uh, another person in our community that died too young. Last night I was on Facebook and I saw that a friend of mine from college, uh, I didn't room with him, but a friend of mine from college in the same graduating class uh, passed away in his sleep on Friday evening. And uh, just, you know, just... Went to sleep. Had a heart attack in his sleep is what we think. And I am constantly reminded that you and I better be ready. I cannot issue that plea enough. That you and I need to be ready. We need to be ready for what life has to offer in all of its goodness, in all of its tragedy, in all of its mountains, in all of its valleys... And the Apostle Paul writing at the church of Philippi, he instructs us and he tells that church, he encourages, as I talked about last week, but it has dawned on me that in order to be an encourager, you have to be encouraged. And you and I have to live a life in light of the gospel that has changed us, that it's very difficult for someone who is discouraged to offer encouragement because they're not giving out of their surplus. They're giving out of their emptiness. And we have a God, a mighty God that we serve, that is not only interested in being our help in a time of trouble, we have an advocate that goes before us who's very aware of who we are very aware of our situation that knows us better than we know ourselves and he wants us to be an encouragement to others but in ways and in a way to be an encouragement to one another is that we have to be able to master what the apostle paul was able to master and i'm going to uh, I'll share with you very few people ever master what the apostle paul did and that was a state of contentment contentment is a rarity. Uh, It is a jewel, if you will, hidden from many of us. And we can talk about contentment. We we will speak as if we are content because we have a desire to be content but inside we have this wrestling for our souls, this wrestling, this discontentment in the midst of who we are. Sometimes it's a, a byproduct of our experience. Sometimes it's a byproduct of our decisions or decisions that were made for us. But we have a desire to be content. But just because we have a desire to be something doesn't mean that that desire is going to be realized. And it does not mean that that desire is going to be true and is going to be descriptive of our lives. In other words, it's not necessarily just because we want it doesn't mean that we have it. We have to learn to be content. The Apostle Paul writing here in the passage in chapter 4, verses 10, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that uh, at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you did not have the opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. And then he goes on to say, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he concludes it, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, often we immediately jump to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. That's one of those kudos, warm, fuzzy feeling scriptures. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But one of the reasons that he can believe that, one of the reasons that he can say that, one of the reasons that he can embody that is because he has learned to be content in every, every situation. So one of the questions I ask or I want to ask today is, are you content? Are you content with your life in the here and now? Not, are you going to be content once you meet a certain standard, once you uh, save enough money, once you have enough money in your 401k or in your 403b or whatever it is that your retirement's in. Are you able to be content... Now, are you able to be satisfied now? Or are you always yearning, yearning for something more? You're always looking for the next greatest thing that comes down the road in the hopes that that will provide you fulfillment. Because what I want to encourage you to understand is that our fulfillment does not come from things. It is not right around the corner. Our fulfillment must come from Christ and Christ alone. He is the standard by which our lives should be measured. And it is Him, He is the reason. His life is the reason that we, that you, and that I can live. He is the reason For everything. And it is our hope, it is my hope, that we could learn to be content in every situation, whether we have plenty or whether we have nothing, whether everything's going our way or whether we are going through an experience of the school of hard knocks. How is it that he was able to gain this? Contentment, Because I'm going to tell you, contentment does not come natural. Contentment is something that has to be cultivated. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't just occur. It's something that we have to seek. And if you look in the first part of chapter 4, I think that there are some answers to how can we have a life of contentment. One of the, one of the things that would really just speak to volumes to it, if you look earlier in the passage in chapter 4, he says in verses 6... In verse 4, he says, Rejoice in in the Lord always. And then he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. And then he says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. One of the ways that you and I can gain contentment and this great secret of contentment. One of the ways it can be realized, listen, it doesn't matter what family you were born into. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks that you grew up on. Your level of contentment has nothing to do with your status. It has everything to do with what he's done for us on the cross. So as we cultivate contentment, and if that's our hope to be content, because listen, I think at the heart of hearts, so everybody on this planet wants to have equilibrium in their life. They don't want to be in this emotional roller coaster that so many people talk about. We want to be content. In other words, to put it in kind of current terms, our spiritual life should not be a thermometer where the temperature rises or the mercury rises and falls with the environment that it's in. We, according to Christ and in Christ's standard, as we live in the life of Christ, instead of being the thermometer, you and I are called to be the thermostat. We set the tone. In other words, those things that lie exterior to us... Do not reign on our parade and do not determine our level of commitment or our level of contentment because the standard has already been set by Christ. Paul goes further to explain. Listen, don't be anxious for anything, but in all things, come to the Lord in prayer. Practice prayer in everything. That's what the apostle Paul's writing in verse 6. Worry about nothing in verse 6. And it says that as a result of taking our desires and our thanksgivings and everything in between to the Lord through petition and going to Him in prayer, that the peace that passes all understanding will be realized in our lives. Are you at peace? Because if you are content, you are at peace. If you have contentment, then you have peace. If you're not content, you're not at peace. And the greatest, one of the greatest travesties of the spiritual life... ...is the inability to be at peace with oneself. To be whole with oneself. And In our society, it is increasingly harder. And I want to say, uh, you know, every generation that comes but particularly today's generation of students are bombarded a lot more than my generation was or that past generations were with media. We, I mean, listen, it it is their life. If you take away their cell phones, it's almost like taking away their heart. No cell phone, no heart. And it's very hard to cope. In fact, it could be argued... That for some students, they value their ability to be on social media more than they value the relationships within the parameters of that social media. It is an addiction. What's the source of this frenzy on Twitter? What is the source of this frenzy on Facebook for other people? What is the source of frenzy with Snapchat and whatnot? Well, the source of it is you and I want to be liked. We want to be liked. We want to be popular. We want people to value us. And we believe, we believe that contentment will arise out of people's value of us or positive feedback that we get. So when we see, listen, I know, I know all the tricks. I know what students do. I know what adults do. We will post something. And if it doesn't get likes, like within 30 minutes, well, let's redo that. Let's take that down (laughs) because we want to post something so that we can be searched to the top. We want to be the best at what we do. We want people to like us and we value what people think about us far more than anything else. Now, I want to show you a picture. Okay, this uh, is on my Facebook page. Uh, It was not posted by me. Uh, but it was posted by a friend of mine. This is my 1988 fifth grade class. Okay, and I does everybody see who I am? Yeah, big ears. Uh, far left, and by the way, those are jam shorts. They're really cool. Still have them. Uh, but what I want to tell you is, I, I saw this picture, and there was just a wave I mean, it was it was really strange. I saw this picture this week. I haven't even talked to you about this. Uh, My wife's a therapist, so we probably need to process this later. Um, But I, I saw this post, and I was just overwhelmed with this sense of emotion. And I was like, "This is ridiculous. Why am I overwhelmed by this sense of emotion?" But it brought me back to this moment in time in my life, and what you know, when you look at that picture. Uh, You know, everybody looks kind of dorky, okay? I don't, but everybody else does. Um, And, you know, what I see in this picture... Now, for most of you, the naked eye, for just the person that views it, you don't see anything, but see, I read into things because I experienced it. So, what I see is a kid on the back row, and I was never really a part of that group. This was a 5th and 6th grade combination class. So, 6th graders, you know, they they were the ones that mattered. Listen... From the time I was in grade school, I, I remember in third grade on, I, listen, I hated elementary school. I hated middle school and I despised high school. Now college, it's awesome. You know why? Because I got away from them. I'm, I'm being dead serious. Because, and, and, but here's the problem. The problem is not them. Because they're good people. This girl in the, in the middle here with the blue and white stripe, the, 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 the baby blue with the glasses, she looks kind of, you know. Uh, I was able to go to the hospital last month. Her mother passed away. And we were good friends all through high school, we, but we weren't good friends then. Um, and all of these people, they've done amazing things. And a lot of them are in church, or leading church today. But in 1988, my story, and for, for the, basically the longevity of school, I was never on the end. I was always on the out. Listen, I hated P.E. I hated it. Let me tell you why. Now, listen, I would get the presidential award for physical fitness. I could do the push-ups, the sit-ups, the chin-ups, do all that stuff. I could run as fast as any of them. I always met the standard because if I didn't, I'd go out and make sure I met the standard because I didn't want to look like a fool. And that was me. But P.E., they would elect or select team captains. And team captains, who did they pick first? The best. Who they, now I was the best, but they perceived that the best was other than me. I was always the last one picked. I mean, look at those muscles on my arms. I mean, I was, I, I, you know. Um, true story, though. I cared more about what people thought about me than anything else. And not much has changed in our society. We still think more, a lot of times, of what people think about us. And we value that opinion and we start believing that opinion more than we believe what is really true. Now, every single one of us has these receptors. And we're constantly listening, whether we want to or not, we're listening to people's opinion. Now, a lot of you think, I can't believe that. He's so, he's confident. You know, today I'm confident, so to speak. Or even some of you would argue that I'm cocky. uh, Like a, a, what is it? a Red Banny Rooster is what they, uh, whatever. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) um, But I'm going to tell you this. That for years, listen, for years... I wasn't confident. I wasn't content. I wasn't happy. Now, to look at me, I'm smiling. I smiled a lot. I was in church every Sunday. I did everything. I treated people nice. But they didn't always treat me nice. And for years, for years, I valued what others thought of me more than I valued anything else. And this led to serious problems. Now, some of you have demons that are external to you. Okay? I never had demons that were external. All mine were internal. They were. And this led, I believe, to depression. I didn't know it was depression. I think it led to the fact that I valued people's view more than I value And listen, we are our own worst critics. And so what my inner voice would say over and over, you'll never amount to anything. But you know what? My favorite passage of Scripture, which is reiterated over and over again, is, and it came to pass, this has not defined my life and does not define my life in the now. I am very content. Not as much as Paul, but I'm working on it. I'm very content with where I am. Someone asked me this week, "Do you you look, you seem like we were having dinner or a lunch this week?" Um, I went to a funeral for Pat Seal's aunt. We were having lunch, and this person said, um, "You seem like you really like it here." And I said, "Oh, I do. I love being here." And I have to say, for the first time, for the first time in our lives, um, I don't really aspire for anything else. If I die in Elizabeth Tennessee, I'm good. I'm good. I didn't conquer the world. I didn't become president of the United States. I didn't become a congressman. There are a lot of ambitions and dreams that I had. But you know, I've realized the reason that I pursued those things is because why? Because in the public eye, when you pursue those things, you are successful. Somewhere along the way, I don't know when it was, what it was. probably was my wife. Uh, I give her credit. She is my soulmate to the very end. She has been used by God in amazing, amazing ways. And one of the things I would tell you is, I am who I am today, not because of what I have done, what I've accomplished, or by people's opinion of me. I am what I am today, solely based on what Christ has done. Period. And I want to encourage you, because some of you, if I were to put your 5th grade portrait up, uh, there will be some stories that you could share as well. Gosh, what a handsome guy that is. Oh, man, mm, he is buff. And every day when he looks in the mirror, when he brushes his teeth, he says to himself... Man, you are hot. (laughs) Reality is, contentment, contentment cannot be based on what others think. For years, I tried to jump through hoops so people would like me. Some of you have done that very thing. Some of you are continually doing that very thing. You, you think I should have been a football player, don't you? That's what, Yeah, I got you. Um, some of you have, you, you, listen, the media's view of you, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever your, whatever your view, whatever median of social media you do, some of you put your value, and I'm speaking directly to students because they're the ones that are more on it than we are, but you put more value on that. It really, really does matter to you. Let me, just, let me ask you to be transparent. How many of you have had a negative post about you or you put something out there and it wasn't received well and it bothered you? Let me say, yeah. Some of you are honest, some of you are not. Yeah. God has not intended for your harm. He wants to prosper you and give you hope. And the Apostle Paul, when he encouraged the church at Philippi, he wanted his congregation, that congregation, that local church to know that whether he had plenty or whether he was running on empty, his contentment did not waver because of the hope that was within him. So yes, I probably am cocky today. I am confident today. Sometimes I'm arrogant. (laughs) But I want you to know that I've come so far. And the freedom, listen, the freedom that I have gained in my life has been about understanding this simple perspective. What people think about us matters nil compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ and making Him known. You and I are defined by so many things. We struggle with so many things... But we need to rest in the solitude of the living Christ. Who has made a way where, as I've said many times, where it seems like there was nothing. Where there was endless, an endless amount of chaos and calamity all around us. Where our contentment was discontentment. Where we were not satisfied with, with anything but if we are true and we say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, then yes, you can. Because He lives, we can do anything. Because He lives, we don't have to fear or worry. When we are defined by Jesus Christ, when He is the source of our strength, when we are centered in Him, it doesn't mean that we don't look for people's approval because we do naturally. But above all, the source of our strength is the source of our contentment. Some of us have struggled over the years with being holistic, at being at peace. The Apostle Paul writes in verse 9 of chapter For, basically, whatever is good, put it into practice. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think on these things. Why? Because when you and I focus on the things and the goodness of God, we produce fruit that is good. When you and I focus on more of what God wants in our lives rather than what we believe that we or we think that we need or we are searching for or aimlessly pursuing in this life. When we rest in Him, when He truly is more than just our words, when we are truly centered in Him, and it's not just words that we're saying, but actually our lives are in accordance to that statement. We have embodied that belief when we are centered in Christ. Then all is right with the world. Rene Descartes, the famous mathematician, said, I think, therefore I am. But so many of us are plagued by what we think. And who we are oftentimes becomes a product of what we think. What do we think about ourselves? What do we think about what others think about us? What do we think about our failures? Do we, listen, are we more negative about ourselves personally than we are positive? The hope of the gospel is that we will think on good things. Because we become what we feed on. If you and I feed on a steady diet of disillusionment, if you and I feed on a steady diet of being depressed or oppressed, if you and I feed on a steady diet valuing what other people think rather than what God thinks of us, then the fruit that we produce will be a direct result of those things that we have eaten and digested in our spiritual lives. So, so many of us, and I'm going to go out on another limb here, so many of us have habits that we cannot get rid of. We have tried for years to get rid of them. A steady diet of that habit, whatever that habit might be, what has it done for us? It has produced chaos and problems. The way you and I kick a habit... The way you and I kick bad circumstances... The way you and I are able to overcome those things that are uh, buying for our attention or attempting to take us off of the focus of Christ, the way we overcome those is always refocusing our mind and heart's attention to the purposes of God, to the goodness of God, to the sovereignty of God, to the salvation of God, to the hope of God that's in Jesus Christ. Because listen, even on our best day, we are damned to hell if we don't surrender our hope, our ambitions, and our lives to Him. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how well you're like. I don't care how successful people view you. Because in the end, in the end, when you and I have a heart attack in the middle of our sleep, when you and I veer off the road or someone runs into us, and our lives are taken up and they're caught short, God doesn't care what position you and I held. He doesn't care how much insurance money that your family is going to be left with. He doesn't care about anything except did you did you believe in Jesus Christ? Did you accept the way and the truth and the life that I provided? Did you define your life by Him? Or Did you buy into some other belief? Our greatest enemy in the church, our greatest enemy as a person, a follower of Jesus, is not ISIS, it's not Islam. (laughs) Our greatest enemy is who we view when we look in the mirror. And the more, listen, the more that we can focus on what is good, the more that we can focus on what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, the more that we ponder on these things, the more that becomes the diet that feeds us. The better follower of Christ we will become and, and the peace that we yearn for, will be realized. And the contentment that the Apostle Paul writes about, it will happen. We have to make the decision. You have a bad habit biting your fingernails. You have a bad habit of eating chocolate ice cream. You have a bad habit of eating all the chocolate in the house. You have a bad habit of speeding. You have a bad habit of flipping people off. I don't care what your habit is. It can be changed. Why? Because God is in the business of changing people's lives. This week I left here. I was meeting my mother-in-law for lunch at the coffee company this week. I forgot to tell you about this, John. Um, And I get right out here at this intersection right here, and I stop. Okay, that's a four-way stop. So who has the right-of-way? The person that stops first, that gets to the intersection first, okay? Okay. I get there at least four seconds, fully stopped for four seconds. And this lady comes up. Well, I start out at the intersection because she, and then she points me to who's number one. I was like, I wonder where she's going. She came to the coffee company. <laughs> yes. So I walk in and I mean, I saw her, I saw the blouse she had on. And, uh, you know, it took me a while to park, and she, you know, she got a front parking place. And so uh, I go in, and I said, oh, well, what a wonderful day it is. I said, "Uh, were you just up in front of uh, the church there across from Jay's Corner? She goes, yes. I said, I think you, I think you, I think you flipped me off. Uh, I said, "Uh, I just want you to know that we at First Baptist Church, we love all kinds of people, and as a pastor, I would love to have you on a Sunday morning. Listen, when somebody pees in your cornflakes, pour a new bowl. Don't be defined by what people do. Listen, there was a season in my life somebody would do that. I'd, I'd show them who number one was too. Now I just kind of, wow, hey. And then when I get the opportunity to confront them at lunch, it's awesome. Thank you for this divine opportunity. be defined. Be defined by Jesus. Have a life that is full of funny stories like that. Don't let people discourage you. Don't let everybody that has an opinion speak into your life. Listen to the sovereignty of God. Listen for the Holy Spirit. And when He speaks, you and I need to move. Because listen, His voice, His opinion, His value of you is far more than your mamas or your daddies or your girlfriends or your boyfriends or your employer or anything else. Because here's the thing. The God who created you and me, the God who loves you and me, the God that has positioned us for salvation, the God who has positioned us for life, does not want you and me to be discouraged. He wants you and me. He wants us to be fulfilled. Encourage one another. Be encouraged by the Word of God. Be encouraged by Christ. This Jesus Christ who gave His life for you and me has experienced far more pain, far more rejection, far more unpopularity than you and I could ever experience. He experienced in one moment, in one second on the cross, more than you and I will experience in the span of an eternity of lifetimes. Why? Because in that one moment on the cross, he took upon himself all the disillusionment, all the depression, all the oppression, all the sin, all the problems, all the chaos. Everything in that moment was laid in to him. He died for you. He died for you because he loves you. And listen, because he lives I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, I will not fear. Because He lives, I have a hope. And guess what? So do you. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus that we don't have to try to impress you. Thank you, Jesus, for being the sacrifice of all sacrifices. Thank you for the ability to be defined by you. Thank you for the opportunity. Listen, when we come to you, Father, thank you for the fact that we don't come as servants. We don't come as people who are outside of the kingdom. We become sons and daughters of the king. And as sons and daughters of the king, we have an inheritance of this kingdom. We are royalty, not because we were born into it, but because you, you invited us to join you. Father, I pray for the one today in this room who is struggling because they have never been content. They are not at peace. They have often been defined by their failures or they've often been defined what other perceive about them. Lord, today... Is a day of freedom. God, take us out of our bondage and set us in the right place with the right opportunities, with the right people to encourage us, to be encouraged, and to be an encouragement to other people. God, forgive us for paying attention to others. Forgive us for listening to other people's voices rather than listening to our good, good Father. And Lord, today in this invitation, as we open this altar, you offer a free gift for the taking. The Holy Spirit has moved in this place, is moving in our lives Are we going to accept the peace that He offers? Are we going to accept the contentment that He offers? Some of you will no doubt say today, well, I just need to work on a couple things and then I'll get it right and I'll come to Him. And I just want to challenge that belief because the reality is you can't do anything about yesterday. You're not guaranteed to tomorrow. But what matters is what you do right now. Don't wait to get your life in order. Come to Christ just the way you are and allow Him to lift up your brokenness. Allow Him to speak in the midst of your circumstance. And you will, listen, you will meet a Father who loves you, a Father who does not judge you, a Father who wants you more than you have ever been desired or wanted before. Because this One who's given His all for you wants you to be made complete, to have the peace that passes all understanding, to experience the joy of His Son, Jesus Christ. And so this invitation is for you to come. Come, you who are broken. Come, you who are depressed. Come, those of you who just feel incomplete and be completely renewed in Him. Some of you needed to have your batteries recharged. He allows... The beauty of U turns. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Others of you in this place have questioned and prayed about is this the place that God wants us to serve? Is this the family that He wants us to be a part of? And our hope and our prayer is that you will bloom wherever He leads you and wherever He plants you. But if He's speaking to you today saying, I think that, you know, know, without a shadow of a doubt that God wants you here at First Baptist Church, won't you come? Won't you come to be encouraged? Won't you come to be encouraging to other people? As we, in this life that we live together, we're doing it together, may we experience the exhilaration of the body of Christ, the hope of Jesus. Lord, thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for moving in our lives. Thank you for commitments that are being made, commitments that will be made. And Father, we ask, we ask, in this invitation, may we just simply hear from you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.